Hey there, and welcome to the Brave Marriage Podcast. I'm Kinsey Dzinski, a licensed marriage and family therapist and certified professional coach, and this is a podcast for couples who want to grow as individuals, do marriage with intention, and live mutually empowered, purposeful lives. I'm so glad you're joining me for Sexpectations Part 2, where we'll continue to identify some unrealistic expectations we bring into marriage about sex so that each of you can identify which ones may be tripping you up and work to change those expectations that have been holding you back from the sex life you desire and the sex life God intended for you as a couple. But before we do, some housekeeping items. First, I'm excited to share that the Brave Marriage podcast is now on Spotify. So please, please tell your friends who are not iPhone users that they can now access the podcast from Spotify. They can also access the show from the Podcast Player app, which is downloadable on their phone as well. So whether you listen through iTunes, Spotify, Podcast Player, or my website, I'm just wanting this information to be as easily accessible as possible, so be sure to let your friends and family know all those options are available to them. And second, this episode is brought to you by my free research-based relationship quiz. Have you ever wanted a professional insider's look at your relationship? Well, I've created a short quiz that lets you in on the state of your relationship based on four different components of marital health. After taking the quiz, you'll receive an immediate score, plus a description of your score will be sent straight to your inbox, followed by one action step, next steps to take, and one prayer for your marriage. To get in on that free resource, just visit bravemarriage.com quiz. Again, that's bravemarriage.com quiz. All right, moving right along to sexpectation number four. Our sex life should be like whatever my friends have told me their sex life is like. Okay, engaged couples listening, not true. Some variation of this expectation is one that I think most couples bring to marriage to one degree or another. And again, as we talked about last week, especially those who grew up in the church or who've never had sex before don't have any real standard of what sex should look like to compare it to. But the problem is some couples have horrible, and I mean awful, first experiences, which can create a lot of unnecessary anxiety and or premature disappointment for couples who are not yet having sex. In addition, Believing that you'll have a terrible experience based on your friend's experience could actually prime you to have a bad experience, which is something we don't want. On the other hand, your friends may have had great first sexual experiences, which they then become evangelists about, convincing you that sex will be as incredible as they describe. And don't get me wrong, any sex-positive message is one we want to hold on to, But in the event that your first time doesn't go as smoothly as planned, I want to be sure you're not holding on so tightly to someone else's experience that you end up feeling bitter or resentful or disillusioned, or worst of all, you blame yourself or your spouse. So here's a belief that will serve you better. Our sex life will be what it is, and whatever it is, is okay. It's our job as a married couple to see how it goes and be willing to work on it together. That belief offers so much relief and normalization of each couple's experience because guess what? No two couples are alike. So no matter what your first few sexual encounters are like, it's important to keep both realistic expectations and sex-positive messages front of mind. 
Now, one more word to couples who are married who've talked with each other about their sex lives. As you've just heard, no two couples are alike. Have you ever been privy to conversations about sex in your circles that go something like this? On one side of the room, there's a couple that's been married for like two years or so. They have no kids and they're super proud of the fact that they're still having sex like five times a week. Additionally, they make it clear that they don't want to be that couple that uses time or kids or energy as an excuse not to keep having great sex. And on the other side of the room, there's a couple who has two kids who've been married for 10 years, and they laugh at the younger couple saying something like, remember when we said that? Who knows what I'm talking about? If you can relate or have been on either side of the conversation, here's what I want you to remember. Whether you've been married 2 or 10 or 20 years, no two couples are alike. You could be married the same number of years with the same number of kids, and your sexuality and sex life will still be unique to you. So I want to encourage you to learn from each other's experiences rather than reacting better than or dismissively. Because here's what we know from Scripture, right? Pride comes before the fall. (laughs) So if you're loving the sexual season you're in, be so glad and grateful for it, because I promise you, it will not stay exactly as it is now forever. And if you're not loving the sexual season you're in, use your friend's enthusiasm for sex to feel what you need to feel about your own sexual season now, and then perhaps reprioritize your own sex life, right? To me, this feels like how we ought to interact as the body of Christ, loving each other well rather than envying or judging each other's phase of life. Sexpectation number five. Working on our sex life will always be fun and easy. Okay, I think it's easy to think this initially at the beginning of marriage, mainly because in the beginning, we don't know what we don't know. Sometimes I think there's a subconscious thought for newlyweds that despite our past sexual or living experience together, I'll finally be married to this person and suddenly have all the time in the world to play and explore with my spouse. But once you get married, you quickly realize that time doesn't just magically free up to allow you two to have limitless sex, right? Unless, as a couple, you're super intentional about creating space and boundarying your time so that sex remains a priority. So here's the truth about this expectation. The more you two can approach working on your sex life from a playful, curious, and explorative place, the more enjoyable learning about each other sexually and growing in your sex life will be. And still, there are just seasons where you will feel more out of sync than at other times, or when despite how badly you desire to work on your sex life, the compounded stress from your life circumstances will limit what you're actually able to do, or when you need more help in your sex life than the two of you can work through alone. And what I want to say to you is that all of these seasons are normal and okay. One more thing, just a quick word to anyone in one of these seasons now. I want to encourage you to zoom out just a little and give yourself some grace. Be honest with yourselves about where you really are, but don't make your current circumstance mean something it doesn't, such as we're broken or we're irreparable or we'll never be on the same page sexually. That may feel true to you in this moment, but as someone with an outside objective perspective, 
What you're actually doing by saying those things to yourself is creating a self-fulfilling prophecy, whereby your feelings drive you to act in ways that create a bleaker reality than is necessary given your circumstances. So again, give yourself some grace and don't be afraid to seek out a professional to help you through the season if you need it. Number six, what turns me on should turn my spouse on. I remember probably within the first month or two of our marriage, Evan was trying to think of a way to get me in the mood when I came home from work. And little did he know, I was mildly upset with him about something we'd texted about during my lunch break. Needless to say, his plans didn't exactly play out the way he hoped that they would. I'm wondering if you've had similar experiences as newlyweds. Trying to figure out this whole making love to your best friend, who you now happen to live with for life, with whom you're having silly disagreements that you've never had before. Kind of a weird phase when you think about it. But here's the thing. If you haven't already let go of this expectation, please do so now. It is okay to have different preferences and desires. And the quicker you can realize that, the better. You may be more comfortable with initiation happening a certain way than another, but just because your spouse likes initiation to happen differently doesn't mean he or she is unloving or selfish, as long, of course, as you're operating within the parameters of a great sex life, which we talked about in episode 40. But it just means that each of you responds differently to sexual stimuli. Desire is a complex process that's comprised of sexual breaks and accelerators, which determine not only what turn a person on, but to what degree they get turned on depending on the sensitivity of their sexual breaks. So I won't go into detail with that any further, but if you're curious as to what exactly I'm talking about, I will have an opportunity for you to learn more within the next month or two. But just know that as you grow in your sexuality together, you'll find yourself making the transition from that turns my spouse on I can't believe they feel that way or find that attractive or arousing. Two, I love my spouse for exactly who he or she is, and I know what will make an incredible startup for them, and I love being a part of that with my spouse. And our final sexpectation for today, number seven. We're sexually incompatible if our arousal and or orgasms don't match up. No, you guys. Just no. You're not sexually incompatible. You're just different. Your differences are due in part to your biology, your gender, your personality, your past, and your unique sexual response cycle. So there are multiple factors at play here, and those differences are beautiful, not things to be despised or held against each other. And here's the thing. There are a lot of false expectations that are perpetuated in our culture mainly all revolving around how men and women are portrayed sexually in movies and media and the porn industry, which we'll talk a little bit more about next week. But a lot of what we see is the man as the sexual aggressor who knows exactly what makes a woman weak in the knees and immediately give herself over to him sexually. And what we often see of the woman is her becoming aroused and coming to orgasm with extraordinarily epic speed and simultaneously with her partner who, by the way, often happens to be a first-time or short-term partner. And what I would like you to know, if you don't already, is that this depiction is not reality. 
Men and women have distinct differences when it comes to the timing and the process of various phases of their sexual functioning. And once you've learned what those differences are, or that yes, some of the things you see through media can and do happen, just not within the time frame of the sexual encounter depicted, you can let go of these fantasies and begin having amazing, mutually satisfying, and yes, compatible sex. So if you're feeling sexually incompatible with your spouse right now, I suspect one of two things is happening. Number one, you're making your differences mean something that isn't true, such as we're sexually incompatible. So it's important to realize that this thought, not your spouse, is what leads to your disappointment or frustration. There are plenty of couples who are well aware of their differences and are having the best time of their lives in the bedroom. And the only difference is that those couples choose to make their differences mean something good and okay and normal, and even a challenge to overcome or an opportunity to love each other, rather than making their differences mean that there's something wrong with one or both of them, or that they'd be better off with someone else. The other thing that might be happening is that you're simply lacking some much-needed sexual education in one or more areas of your sex life or sexual functioning, which is where my big announcement comes in. You ready? I'm creating an online class on healthy sexuality, which will help couples examine each stage of their sexual response cycle so that they have the understanding and language to communicate better with each other and improve aspects of their sex life they've been wanting to improve. I've given this talk to engaged couples and married couples alike, some of whom have been married for 10 plus years and every time the feedback has been tremendous. So I wanted to make this information readily accessible to you as well. My husband Evan is an instructional designer, so we're partnering up to make this happen for you. And once it's completed and available online, I'll be sure to let you know. If you're not already on my email list and you'd like to be notified when that class comes available, please visit bravemarriage.com sex so I can see who's interested and leave your name and email there. Again, that's bravemarriage.com sex. Or if you haven't yet taken the free quiz, you can get added to our email list that way as well by visiting bravemarriage.com quiz. And that's your only action step for today. To leave your name and email so that you can get notified when my healthy sexuality class comes available in a month or two. And my prayer for you this week is that you would trust the Lord with your sex life, that he'd give you the courage to open doors of conversation that lead you and your spouse to even deeper oneness and intimacy. I hope you have a beautiful day, a great start to the month of April, and I'll talk to you here next week. Bye-bye. Love is not a battle Love is not a bond Love is just as fragile 